We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 29th, 2018. And uh, today it's more of a study, more so dedicated toward the spiritual warfare side. Uh, we're going to be going over uh, right off the bat here, just a kind of a <clears throat> refresher on how did Christmas come to be celebrated on December 25th. Okay, just a, kind of a refresher. This isn't an in-depth study. I've already done a full teaching on this, and I, I do post the uh, link to that near the end of this. But I think this is just good to refresh our memory regarding what is Xmas all about. What is it all about? And um, <clears throat> if we look at the things leading up to the modern-day Christianized version of Xmas, we have to go all the way back to ancient Rome. <clears throat> and so to start this off, Roman pagans were the first to introduce the holiday of Saturnalia, which was a week-long period of lawlessness celebrated between December 17th and 25th. So you have to understand, <clears throat> they were celebrating this um, before the birth of Christ. Okay, so if it if it's really Jesus Christ's birthday, like they purported to be, how were the Romans celebrating it before Jesus Christ was ever born? How how, how does that work? I I don't know. I mean, I just it's you know kind of kind of crazy, kind of a wacky thing. So it was it was a week long period of lawlessness, Saturnalia. Between December 20, uh, 17th through the 25th. Now, that would also encompass Yule, which is the shortest day of the year. It's the, it's the winter solstice. So it was all encompassed into that whole time period. It was all wrapped up into one nice pagan package. During this period, Roman courts were closed. The Roman law dictated that no one could be punished for damaging property or injuring people during the week-long celebration. Isn't there that, that movie that's got, like, I don't even sequels and stuff? Was it called The Purge or something? I, I don't know. Where where you can go out and do whatever. There's no laws. There's no rules. You can go out and kill whoever you want to that night. You can go do whatever you want to do, and there's no repercussions. That's a, a common modern-day theme in Hollywood. And that's the true origins of what Saturnalia actually really is and has always been. No one could be punished for damaging property or injuring people during the week-long celebration. The festival, the festival began when Roman authorities chose an enemy of the Roman people to represent, quote, the Lord of Misrule. Each Roman community selected a victim whom they forced to indulge in food and other physical pleasures throughout the week. What kind of sick garbage is this? You pick out your mortal en enemy and then you for this week you force him to indulge in food and other physical pleasures throughout the week and at the festival's conclusion on december 25th our modern day xmas roman authorities believed they were destroying the forces of darkness by brutally murdering this innocent man or woman so I guess it was 
an enemy, but a lot of times they were totally innocent, man or woman. Just somebody the Romans hated. <clears throat> Fun. Fun. And biblical, I might add. Very biblical. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic as I can be. The ancient Greek writer, poet, and historian Lucian, in his dialogue entitled Saturnalia, describes the festival's observance in his time. He said, in addition to human sacrifice, <laughs> so human sacrifice was the order of the day. It still is among the highest level pagans and occultists and Luciferians who celebrate this. Human sacrifice is required on Saturnalia, on Eximus. Still, I mean, maybe if you're a lower level witch and you can't get to a human, then you, you sacrifice an animal. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. But he mentions that these customs, um, also he mentions these customs, widespread intoxication, going from house to house while singing naked, which is where we get our caroling from. So you have to understand, just like um, you go back to the origin, the, the pagan origins of Ishtar, Easter, Halloween, they're all pagan holidays. They've all been repackaged with now halloween hasn't so much been repackaged with a christian veneer because it's so overtly evil it's tough to do that but you you, you can my teaching on halloween and on the wicker man which they've made movies about that which is based on a true story and how the druids who were the ones that originally started halloween and you look at how all of those customs now have been repackaged into a more palatable much more pal palatable way with our modern day celebrations of Halloweens and many churches bring that into the church, into their churches. Um, that's all that's being done really here with Xmas, Saturnalia. They just bring different things that were once totally overtly pagan and they put some kind of many times a Christian veneer on it and amalgamate it right into um our holiday holidays which were really the original term is the holy days they were pagan holy days that's why we call them holidays <clears throat> so in addition to human sacrifice he mentions these customs widespread intoxication going from house to house while singing naked rape and other sexual license and consuming human shaped biscuits <clears throat> well don't, don't doesn't that still happen? Like where they make little gingerbread men and stuff like that. All the cookies for Christmas. Xmas, sorry. Still produced in some English and most German bakeries during this season. <clears throat> in the 4th century, after, you know, after um, Christ, the modern day era, okay, Fourth century AD, Catholicism imported the Saturnalia festival, hoping to take the pagan masses in with it. Catholic leaders succeeded in converting Christianity in large numbers. Succeeded in converting to Christianity large numbers of pagans by promising them that they could continue to celebrate the Saturnalia as Christians. So they brought in all these pagans into Catholicism that were used to celebrating these, for them, holy days, but they put this Christian veneer on it, but the pagans knew better. For the Christians, they just, well, we'll see what they did, how, how they put this, 
how they justified it. The problem is, is there was nothing intrinsically Christian about Saturnalia. To remedy this, these Christian leaders named Saturnalia's concluding day, December 25th, to be Jesus' birthday. Even though it was actually the birthday of the sun god Tammuz. But see, that's what they knew it to be. The pagans knew it was the birthday of the sun god Tammuz. Whereas what they did, the Catholics did, which was, I guess, a brilliant marketing ploy because they could bring both sides in. They said, no, it's not the birthday of the sun god Tammuz anymore, even though us, us pagans, you know, over here that we've amalgamated into the Catholic religion, they know it, it, it means that. But see, on the surface, on the veneer, in order to bait all the Christians in to our Catholic death cult, our pedophilic Catholic death cult, you know, I don't know how many, you know, 50, 100 million people they killed during the Inquisitions. Just one of their many, many incredible atrocities. Just key in Inquisitions in the keyword search box or Catholicism at contendingfortruth.com. I've done so many studies on Catholicism, you know, I wouldn't even, I don't even know how many. But um, they would say, no, it's not the birthday of the sun god of Tammuz that we're celebrating on December 25th. It's the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ that we're celebrating on December 25th. So it went from the birth of the sun god, Tammuz, which was the child of Semiramis and Nimrod, which was the original Babylonian mystery religions. Now it went from that to, we're gonna amalgamate that, we're gonna change that all over to the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ, to make it palatable to the Christians. This is how, to this day, why we celebrate this holiday known as Christmas. Why? Christians had little success, however, re refining the processes of Saturnalia. As Stephen Nissenbaum, professor of history at the University of Massachusetts Amherst writes, in return for ensuring massive observance of the anniversary of the Savior's birth by assigning it to this resonant date, the church, for its part, tacitly agreed to allow the holiday to be celebrated more or less the way it had always been. The earliest Christ Christmas holidays were celebrated by drinking, drinking, sexual indulgence, singing naked in the streets, you know, a precursor to the modern caroling, you, you know, go from house to house caroling, except they were doing it naked, you know, little, little twist on it. The Reverend Increase Mathen, Mather of Boston, Reverend Increase. Now that's that's a title. The Reverend Increase. I think I think I should have that as my title. Reverend Increase Scott Johnson. Really, seriously, really. The Bible says that holy and reverend is he, and it's only referring to God, and it's only used that one time in the Bible. I. It's not a. It's not a biblical term for a man to ever, or a woman, to ever call themselves. I would never call myself reverend. Sorry. It's not a biblical term. It's only used one time in the Bible, and it's only in reference to God. God is the one that is we should revere. Reverend. Reverence. Not man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and his heart departed from the Lord. I just think it's a very prideful title that man has no right to. I've done a whole subject study on it. It's only like 20 minutes. Just keying reverend. 
in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. The Reverend Increase, Mather of Boston, observed in 1687 that, quote, the early Christians who first observed the Nativity on December 25th did not so thinking that Christ was born that month. They knew better. But because the heathen Saturnalia was at that time kept in Rome and that they were willing to have those pagan holidays metamorphosized into Christian ones. Thank you. Finally, some honesty. You know, this is at least honest, you know. Let's be honest about this. Let's not put some Christian veneer and say, Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. He has nothing to do with this pagan holiday known as Saturnalia. Which, which is what today is known as Christmas, meaning the accumulation of Saturnalia on the 25th. The whole Saturnalia thing, again, was a week-long process of debauchery and human sacrifice and high-level witchcraft. Because of its known pagan origin, Christmas was banned by the Puritans and its observance was illegal in Massachusetts between 1659 and 1681. Didn't last very long and it was only in one state. However, Christmas was and still is celebrated by most Christians. Some of the most depraved customs of the Saturnalia Carnival were intentionally revived by the Catholic Church in 1466 when Pope Paul II, for the amusement of the Roman citizens, forced Jews to race naked through the streets of the city. An eyewitness account reports, before they were to run, the Jews were richly fed so as to make the race more difficult for them and then at the same time more amusing for the spectators. I mean, this is some really sick, weird, twisted stuff we're dealing with here. Who does that, you know? <clears throat> they ran amid Rome's taunting shrieks and peals of laughter, while the unholy father stood upon a richly ornamented balcony and laughed heartily. That's the good old Pope. Yeah. That's just a little bit. Now, here's here's another source puts it all this way. To the Aztecs, she was known as Talaz Ul Teul. Okay, the goddess of filth, gambling, prostitution, and witchcraft, among other things. She was also known to the Aztecs as Cotlique. In the form of Cotlique, she was the virgin goddess who became pregnant. <clears throat> okay, now remember. This is a knockoff of our Trinity, okay? Where the Immaculate, well, the Immaculate Conception, I know that's more of a Catholic term, but, you know, Mary con conceiving, you know, when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, this type of thing, okay? She'd never known a man, yet she conceived, okay? So they're trying to always knock off on that, okay? They're always trying to knock off on things that are godly in trying to amalgamate them into some type of Luciferian type of religion. That's a very, very common theme. Um, <clears throat> so she was known as the virgin goddess who became pregnant. The son she bore was supposed to be Witzel o Poktili, the chief god of the Aztecs, reincarnated as a baby. She was the goddess of the moon and of the, of the morning, evening star, Venus, People who spoke different languages called her by different names throughout the ages. Some of them are Hecate, Astarte, Aphrodite, Venus, Isis, Semiramis, 
Ishtar, which is the fertility goddess, which is where we derive the word Easter from. Because Ishtar is the fertility goddess and she has everything to do with Ishtar, Easter. Okay. She's also known as the Roman Catholic Virgin Mary goddess. <clears throat> now remember, that is not the God, that's not the Virgin Mary of the Bible. That's their version of the Virgin Mary. Essentially, Catholics have their own pagan trinity. Okay, now, again, this is the Catholic version, but it would be Mary, the Father, and the Son. Okay, they teach in the Baltimore Catechism that you got to go through Mary to get to Jesus because they depict Jesus as this angry son on a throne. And the only way we can get to them is by appealing to the nice mom, Mary, so she can go to the son and calm him down because he wants to just kill us all. That's how Jesus is portrayed like in a lot of Catholic, the way that Catholics are taught, like in the Baltimore Catechism and things of this nature. I've seen the pictures and stuff, how he's portrayed. So this is their version of like the pagan trinity. Okay, where you have God, goddess, and I don't know, the son type of thing. Not God the Father, not God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Like that's the real trinity in the Bible. Okay, and some people don't like that term trinity. Well, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I mean, you need to call it a biblical term, but I'm just saying God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's biblical. So, she's also known as the Roman Catholic Virgin Mary Goddess. Her son has many names as well. Some of them are Horus, Hippocrates, Mithras, Sol Invictus, Hercules, Attis, and the oldest name being Tammuz, which is where we get the start of all this whole mess, the Babylonian mystery religions, which happened right after, well, not right after, but after the flood. I'm sure they had a ton of stuff going on prior to the flood. I mean, you had giants flooding the earth in those days and stuff. But this was the modern day resurrection of it. What do these God babies have in common? Well, for one, they were all born on December 25th. All of them. Isn't that a coincidence? Which is where we derive the pagan celebration of Christmas from, which was originally known by the Romans as Saturnalia. Winter solstice and Yule, which is part of this whole Saturnalia celebration, is one of the Illuminati's high human sacrifice nights. When the sun begins its, nor well, so is Christmas, but when the sun begins its northern trek in the sky and the days begin to grow longer again, because see, literally after Yule, which is typically on December 21st, I think it was this year, is on December, yeah, December 21st, I'm looking at a calendar. Um, literally... the next day the days will start to get longer i mean it's not like wow it's nine hours longer today no it's a very gradual process. just like it was a very gradual process for the days to get shorter okay um the further north you go on the equator the the more that you know the the quicker the days get shorter okay as far as days go by the 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 more further you go toward the equator the longer it takes for the days to get longer bottom line is it's still the same effect so um when the sun begins its northern trek in the sky and days begin to grow longer again, pagans celebrate the winter solstice by burning the Yule log. Now, I believe that was also very highly connected with um, the uh, bonfires of, um, potentially, potentially connected to the bonfires, because these are all pagan practices of Halloween. Um, 
which is where they would hollow out a log or take a log that was hollowed out and they would essentially put a person in it. I don't know, maybe they would cut a log in half, hollow it out, and then put a person in and then maybe, I don't know, maybe tie it back together. I'm not 100% sure how it worked, but you got a human in there. You got a human inside the log and then you would throw the log on the fire, okay? And just let them burn to death, roast to death, real nice and slow. That was the original term for bonfire, which meant bone fire was the actual original right term bone fire because you're burning the person and his bones in the fire the yule log is probably very close to that and yule is the winter solstice okay usually it's it's december 21st or 22nd depending on you know the astronomical thing that happens every year since the sun had reversed itself and now was rising in the sky pagans believed this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out in in Samhain, which is halloween had been accepted by the gods and it, it looks like it's pronounced samhain but it's actually pronounced Samhain. okay just like saturnalia is actually they call it christmas now well halloween was the actual real term for it the original term is Samhain. And so they believed that after um, the, the sun was, had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky, pagans believed this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out at Samhain had been accepted by the gods. Well, that's exactly what burning the Yule log would be on a winter solstice because that they're so, I, I guess, ignorant, demon-possessed to the toenails, that they believe that their efforts... By burning humans alive and sacrificing babies or whatever they did on Yule was the thing that garnered them to have the days now start increasing. Like they can change the sun evidently and now the gods have shined on them because they've accepted their human sacrifice. These fallen angels have these people so duped into believing that unless they do all this stuff, the, sun, the days aren't going to get longer and then now they're, they're not going to have a spring and they're not going to have a summer and they're not going to be able to have a harvest and they're not going to be able to eat. You watch, and I don't, I don't think you should, but any of these shows on like the Wicker Man and stuff like that, it's literally, all of this stuff has to do with like fertility of the people, fertility of the land, on how they get crops and harvest. And you got to understand, back then, that was their, I mean, we take it for granted today, but back then, that was their life. I mean, if they didn't have a harvest come, they'd all die and starve during winter. So to them, it was a really super big deal. But today, see, we got Walmart, so we can just go up to Walmart and everything's provided. So it's not as big of a deal now. Obviously, a little sarcasm built in there. But it's not any less important. I mean, you know, if, if we didn't have Walmart, we didn't have all the other stuff, and we had to rely upon our own little colony of people to make food, let's say we were isolated from other tribes of people, well, it would be a really super big deal. Well, they turned to Satan in order to procure this favor. But see, Satan is a cruel taskmaster, and it never is enough. And it always winds up into more human sacrifice and more things to appease the devil. And I mean, like with the Aztecs and, and all of them, you know, more human sacrifices to the point where God says, okay, I'm finally, I'm done. I'm just going to wipe you all out, which is what happened with a lot of these other races. They just get wiped out from God because you reap what you sow. 
you can't just go on doing mega, mega amounts of human sacrifice. But then again, we have our abortion clinics. So that doesn't really bode well for America either. You know, I don't know. How, I don't know. That's, that's not a good thing either. That's more sacrificed into the God of convenience though. More so in the abortion thing. They're, they're not going in there doing it, you know, for, um, so they'll, they'll be able to eat so much or have a crop harvest, that type of thing. But they're, most of the time it's that the baby's an inconvenience. But it also does figure in monetarily because they think, well, I, have, I can't afford this child and this type of stuff. I don't know. I, I don't want to like even go down that road anymore. I mean, that's, you know, that's a whole other subject. I've done several dedicated stu stu uh, studies on the subject of abortion. That If you want to know more about that, you can search for that at continueforTruth.com. So the Roman Catholic Church later changed the day of the celebration to December 25th, calling it Christmas. Which actually, I've done studies on this, means Merry Death of Christ. When you say Merry Christmas, it means basically means Merry Death of Christ. So it's not a term I would recommend using. And listen, I get it. If somebody's telling you Merry Christmas, it's not because they want Merry Death of Christ is in their mind. I'm not judging other people in that regard. Not at all. They don't even know this stuff that I'm talking about. But again, this is why the Bible says... We're destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, let Satan get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're so ignorant, so much, I mean, me included, I'm sure I'm ignorant about a whole bunch of stuff that I don't even know. But, you know, that's what we're dealing with. And then we have my teaching on uh, Xmas, the biggest pagan holiday slash holy day of the year. It's got a nice subtle title. And then I'm just going to read you, read you like the description. Let's explore the facts so you can see for yourself. On 12-24-1871, Charles H. Spurgeon said, We have no superstitious regard for times and seasons. Certainly we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. First, first because we do not believe in any mass at all, because that was a Catholic, masses are a Catholic thing, but abhor it whether it be sung in Latin or in English. Secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant whatsoever for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior. And I mean, when, where does it say that in the Bible, that we should ever do that? Where does it say in the Bible we should ever celebrate any birth date of anyone ever? It really doesn't, okay? It's inherently kind of a, you know, I've done a whole teaching on birthdays, but you know, you can key that in, but I'm just saying there's really no scriptural warrant for it. I mean, you can't, you can't point me to a scripture and say, we need to do that for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we really don't have that. Um, and consequently, consequently it's observance is a superstition. It was not until the middle of the third century that any part of the church celebrated the birth of our Lord. So that's what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. It was not until the middle of the third century that any part of the church celebrated the birth of our Lord. And I believe he's in reference to the Catholics starting to amalgamate it into their religion. Pagans already knew what these holidays were, but the Christians, they obviously weren't going to get the correct memo. They were going to get the sanitized, Christianized version of what they were celebrating, which was a lie. You know, Catholic church, like I've said, was always evil from the beginning. It was always corrupted. It was never not bad. Okay, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
Proverbs 11, verse 3. So if you have something that's evil and corrupted from the beginning, there is no time that God is ever going to wave a magic wand and uncorrupt something that was always evil. There's no precedent for that. I'm not, you know, as far as a religion goes. Now, people can come out of that false religion and get saved, but they're not going to stay in it and expect to reform it. It can't happen. It's, it's, it's a, a tree is known by its fruit. And if a tree is an apple tree and it produces good fruit, it's an apple tree. And if a tree is a, let's say a crab apple tree, and let's say that's a bad tree, well, it's always going to produce crab apples. There's nothing you can do about that at all. If it's a bad tree and you know it's putting out bad fruit, well, then you hack it down ideally so it doesn't put out more bad fruit and corrupt stuff and then you have like the parable where jesus you know looked on you know i was at the fig tree that wasn't producing any figs and stuff and then he produced pronounced judgment on it because it wasn't producing fruit it withered and died okay so there's there's a lot of analogies you can go back in the bible and look at in regard to this particular subject but that even that fig tree I don't even think it was so much that the fig tree wasn't producing, um, was, was bad. It just wasn't producing any fruit at all, okay? This is just a bad, evil tree producing bad, evil fruit because that's all it's capable of doing. That is Catholicism. That is Buddhism. That is Zoroastrianism. That is Islam. That is all false religions. They can only put out bad fruit. Oh, well, sure. They can have, oh, well, I felt such peace when I went there. And all, yeah, well, the devil can meet you at your knees and he can deceive you about anything and he can give you all the warm and fuzzy feelings you could possibly imagine. Or you can go into Catholicism and, and chase after the, you know, the, the, um, the pictures that ooze oil and and all of the idolatry and all of the false miracles and signs and wonders and i'm not saying god can't produce signs and wonders and miracles i'm not saying that at all but in catholicism obviously if it was of god those miracles would truly guide you to the lord jesus christ and out of that double death cult no no the miracles just reinforce that they're in the right devil death cult so i know those miracles are of the devil because if they were of god they would not do that they would point you back to the word of God and not even to any particular religion because religions them in and of themselves really are not biblical. Denominations really are not biblical. The Bible talks against it in Romans. One saith I am of Apollos, one saith I am of Paul. Is Christ divided? Well, no, he's not. Well, I got saved from Apollos. He led me to the Lord. Paul led me. Well, I'm better than you. Well, that's pride. There's no Bible for it. Then we get, now we have all these thousands of denominations that think they're the only ones that got it right. How arrogant to even think that. But see, the devil just wants us all divided. And I'm not talking about coming together in unity like the New World Order wants us. But the devil wants true, real Christians divided so that they can fight and war with one another, never come into agreement and never pray together, never really be on the same page and wants us deceived in doctrine and all of this other stuff. And then also he wants us in pride thinking, well, I'm in the only denomination that really counts or matters because we're the ones doing it right, obviously. Okay, well, that's pride and God hates pride. I mean, I've, I mean, I've been, been in so many, I mean... Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school, totally new age. My mom was totally new age growing up. 
rock and roll the whole nine yard then then the most radical pentecostalism the most radical charismatic you can imagine and then to the most radical hardcore sect of independent fundamental king james only unregistered non-501c3 baptist churches Man, i've been at about every end of the spectrum not said i've been in every single religion christian but i've been in a lot of the ends of the spectrum i've kind of seen a lot of this stuff firsthand so anyway going back to this description here uh and I, I, i'm not and again i'm not doing this to condemn those people i've been there i've done it i'm not condemning anybody i'm not judging you if that's your if that's your reality i've been there done it the reason i started this ministry is to help people kind of see hopefully what the truth is about this stuff so they can make up their own mind i just tell people don't trust me don't trust man don't trust trust a denomination cursed be the man that trusteth in man and, may, and they make a flesh's harm his arm in whose heart departed from the lord it says that in jeremiah you don't want to do that but i just point people back to the word of god the king james bible in the english-speaking language that's where i point people so going back to this description here probably the fact is that the holy days were arranged to fit in with the heathen festivals okay this is spurgeon talking we venture to assert that that if there is any day of the year in which we may be pretty sure that it was not the day on which our savior was born that would be december 25th we can pretty much say that is the you know there's one day that he's not born it's going to be that most likely from what i've seen the dates I've seen by looking at the Bible, looking how the shepherds were on the field, looking at the time of the census was taken, all the stuff you can you can arrange these things together into like a little mosaic. It's probably anywhere from like the early part of October to mid-September, mid-September to the early part of October. Or maybe later September. It just depends. There's a little variance there, but it's not going to be on December 25th. How absurd to think we could do it in the spirit world, in the spirit of the world, with a Jack Frost clown, a deceptively worldly Santa Claus, and a mixed program of sacred truth and fun, deception and fiction. Now this was this was 1871. The Catholics and the High Church Episcopalians may have their Christmas one day in 365. But we have Christ, we have a Christ gift the entire year. So, and I think that's way more the spirit in which we would want to celebrate Christ every single day of the year. Not just one day. And here's the thing. If it really was of God, you'd kind of have to wonder, as ungodly as the world has become, why would the pagans and all the people that hate God have no problem celebrating christmas you ever notice that there's not a lot of a lot of people that really i mean unless they're like a hardcore like maybe a hardcore atheist or a satanist maybe maybe they do but they'll probably celebrate see the, the pagans and the occultists they won't really i'm talking about atheists and people not in the know but the pagans they know what it's about now maybe they don't want jesus being associated with it and they really have every right to believe that because Jesus doesn't have anything to do with their pagan holiday. 
maybe they don't like that aspect of it because they feel like maybe baby Jesus has usurped what really should be celebrated, which is Tammuz, the sun god, and Saturnalia, and debauchery, and human sacrifice. I get it. I understand their perspective there. I respect that from that standpoint of why they would feel that way. I don't respect their holiday or anything about what they're doing, but yeah, I get it. I get it why they'd feel that way. You know, I do. They have more right to be upset than really anyone else out there. It's, I mean, we're, we're usurping their holiday. This never had anything to do with Jesus Christ. Never, ever did. And us Christians come along and we want to muscle in and, you know, amalgamate their pagan holiday and christianize it how absurd though the whole premise and yet it's the biggest holiday holy day of the whole stinking year every year at least in america and the church is right there on on the, the 501c3 corporate church is right there cheering them on baby you know that's the way i see it December 25th is also known as the Nativity of the Sun, or the birth date of Tammuz, the Sun God. And again, they want to say it's the birth date of the Son of God. That's really the birth date of the Sun God. But see how easy it would be to interchange things? Originally, way going all the way back into like the middle 300s, into the 400s when the Catholic Church, 318 AD, Constantine brings in the Catholic Church. Council of Nicaea. Oh, we got to find a way to increase our numbers, guys. What can we do? What can we do? Well, we, hey, I got a great idea, boss. Let's, let's paganize um, the, um, or let's Christianize these pagan holidays, and then we'll have a whole new built-in subgroup that we can bring in. Hey, that's a great idea, Ed. Uh, I'm going to promote you to chief, I don't know, Bishop II or whatever. You're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name you a cardinal. We're going to name a whole new classification for you. You get to be a, what they call a cardinal. And I'll be Pope. And I'll sanction it. I'll put my rubber stamp on it. And then we'll amalgamate this in the church. We'll get a whole bunch of new members. Eh? Work pretty good. Work pretty good. All right. So um, then I give you my teaching here. Uh, you can click on it if you want. The PDF for should a, should a Christian celebrate Xmas and all that stuff. Um, okay, and we're going to look at little audio here. It's called The Power of Words Are Huge. Let there be light. And there was light. I want to remind y'all of the power of the mind. You can think yourself into a depression. You can think your way into stress. Now, you could say, well, this is a new age. No, as a man thinketh, so is he. That's what the Bible does say. So that's, again, very, very important. You can think your way into misery, frustration. There's so much more power in the mind than you probably like to give yourself credit for. Change your mind. Decide that you love yourself enough to not surround yourself with people, things, and situations that can have your mind 
continuing to spiral down this negative and dysfunction and again don't get this confused with any new age stuff because all of these i can give you bible verses on all of this you know evil communications corrupteth good manners i mean all of these things i will set no wicked thing before my eyes um you know all there there's so many bible verses that you could use to confirm what they're saying here train once i feed you with an idea that you are susceptible to something uh, look I can feed you with an idea that this pill that we just got from the pharmaceutical company, it's the greatest, best thing for your issue. And I give you this pill and you get better. And then later you find out it was a sugar pill and everybody goes, yeah, that's called the placebo effect. And I go, what does it really mean? I said, you didn't get healed by the pill, you got healed by the belief in the pill. And I go, well, yeah, that, that's what placebo is all about. And at least one third, minimum of one third of all medical intervention is uh it's the placebo effect that where the healing comes from everybody goes yeah i know about the placebo i go yeah but that's a result of positive thinking w what about negative thinking uh, and this is what we don't talk about but the reality is it's equally powerful in regard to affecting your biology as is positive thinking but it works in the opposite direction a negative thought is called the nocebo effect can cause any disease and and you can die if you believe you're gonna die you can die from the belief so uh, we really have to watch out because as psychologists would tell us 70% or more of our thoughts are negative and redundant replaying the same negative thoughts I go if, if thoughts had nothing to do with it fine but thoughts positive or negative shape our biology and all of a sudden it says well now it's time to wake up because our negative thinking is is manifesting a negative life experience words are extremely powerful you actually create your own laws and limitations for yourself using the words that you use most often the greatest teacher to ever live the carpenter from the plains of galilee once said by your words, you are justified, and by your words, you are condemned. He understood the spiritual properties words possessed. Rumor has it, the prime creator actually spoke the universe into existence, also known as cymatics or vibration. And remember, you are a piece of the creator and possess the same creative qualities. Never use phrases like, this is killing me, or this makes me sick. Though lighthearted, those are actual commands that are stirring energy in motion. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'm not saying they're all using KJV verses in these verses, but I think you're going to get the point. There are high energy words, and there are low energy words. High energy words attract to you positive people, positive situations, positive outcomes, positive circumstances. They also raise your health and the health and wellness of those listening. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. 
the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Low energy words do the exact opposite. They attract all manner of negative situations and circumstances, and they have also been proven to lower your immune system, making you more susceptible to illness. Dr. Emoto's water experiment proved that words and intention actually have a physical impact now, on you. Now, he said Dr. Emoto's water experiment. And this is something that, you know, I just don't see how you explain this away. He's going to go into further detail, but you would really have to watch this video to fully appreciate what is shown because a lot of it's visual water dr imato's laboratory does research on water samples which are subjected to various forms of outside influence the impressions made upon the water are recorded by swiftly freezing it in a cryogenic chamber somebody said thank you to this water okay and they're showing what the molecules look like when you say thank you when they swiftly freeze it after you speak those words into the water and it's this beautiful crystalline structure on a microscope excuse me you disgust me so he they said excuse me and thank you thank you was really awesome excuse me was was a little bit less looking and then you disgust me and it's just this really bad like looking thing like the water's turned into the, the molecule itself or, or what they've frozen what it actually looks like um and you know this is the i mean it's it's pretty amazing this guy's work and he's not it's not like they were christian i'm pretty sure they weren't even christians they were just um doing an experiment to test the, the power of words that they have on um, things like water, which can actually absorb that energy. Idiot. I hate you. Love. Okay, now they're showing exactly what the, the crystalline structures look like of the water when it's been flash frozen for every word that they're going over. So again, the only way you're gonna get the full impact is to watch this. Hope. Soul. Emoto Masaru's numerous experiments aimed at finding the word that cleanses water most powerfully have shown that it is not just one word, but a combination of two. Love and gratitude. I mean, and isn't that like the two things that, I mean, the Bible says in Romans 1 where where somebody really would start to fall away from God or move in an opposite direction from God is when they become unthankful. When they become unthankful, that's always a very, very slippery slope if you let that unthankfulness dwell in you. Because then it goes on to a progression about what, what, what happens after you become unthankful or potentially can happen. And um, what's the opposite of unthankfulness? Well, thank you could say, well, thankfulness, yeah, but also gratitude. 
So they're saying the most powerful words that they could find that you could literally speak into the water would be love and gratitude. I mean, God is love. Okay, the purest embodiment of love. Um, and I think that he would value, one of the only things I think that we can really do in this life, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but the, there's not a lot of Bible verses where it says God was pleased with this is the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying God can't be pleased with you, but I do think showing him thankfulness and gratitude is one of the main things we can do as his creation in order to potentially please him, you know, and really, I mean, and I mean, true gratitude, true thankfulness. Um, because when you're like that and you're truly gratitude, I think another thing, emotion that is connected with that is humility. And humility, if you look at all the, the blessings connected with humility in the Bible, um, which is also connected to fear of God, which is also connected with all these different blessings in the Bible. They're all kind of connected if you think about it. Thankfulness, gratitude, humility, fear of God. And then the other, you have the exact opposite. You would have um, unthankfulness. Um connected many many times with pride which is the opposite of humility and all these so again if you if you look at all of this in totality it's pretty amazing love and appreciation it shows that one wow truth wow beautiful after prayer it said after you pray over water the Bible talks about, you know, the, the, when you eat your food and you pray over it, the food is sanctified, you know, by the prayer, essentially. And um, that says that in the, in the New Testament. So um, when you pray over your food, in a, especially if it's, it's, if it's in a vein of gratitude and thankfulness and humility, I truly believe you're probably changing the composition to a certain extent or maybe the vibrational level of that food, you know, in a positive way. Whereas if you eat food and you're, and you're not thankful for it and you're just doing it in a gluttonous fashion and things of this nature and there's no prayer over it, and I think that's a whole other different animal and dynamic. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Jesus said that your words are spirit. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. It is the spirit. And again, this is not, well, this is a KJV verse, but a lot of these other ones are not. So if you want to look them up, you can do that. That quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not faith comes by hearing it's like when we say i can do this and then i set out to accomplish it that it is the very words that when heard because faith comes by hearing that when you hear yourself saying these words i can do this that you actually can get the courage and the strength and the wherewithal to get something done 
That's why it's not just important to, to think good thoughts. You have to speak those thoughts. If you want things to come out and you want them to be manifested into the world, if you have a thought within you, you need to speak that thought out. You need to create by speaking the very thing that you had within you. You need to bring somehow into this world and make it so. Think of it this way. A thought that is within you is not in this world. The thought that is within you is within you. It is only until you speak that thought and you give it a vibration in this world that it actually manifests. The scriptures say that God spoke and everything became. The scriptures say that every word that we speak will be judged accordingly. That we will be held accountable for everything that we say and everything that we think. This is why we must take every thought captive. Every thought that comes into our mind, it has the potential to create that thought in the world if manifested by the words that you speak. Your thoughts create. Your words make them become the very thing that you believe that they will be. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Again, it can corrupt the whole body, but if you're speaking words of life, though, obviously it's going to do the opposite. And is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Dr. Emoto has conducted another interesting experiment. He placed rice into three glass beakers and covered it with water. And then every day for a month, he said, thank you to one beaker. You're an idiot to the second. And the third one, he completely ignored. After one month, the rice that had been thanked began to ferment, giving off a strong, pleasant aroma. The rice in the second beaker turned black. 
and the rice that was ignored began to rot. So he's got a plant, three plants, or somebody did this, and it will bloom overnight and blossom again with just a note on it saying, I love you. And then there's one plant, and it's just got literally a piece of paper that says ignored. And then there's one plant that says, I hate you, with a note on it, and it just basically withers. Now, the one that says, I hate you, and the one that are, is ignored, I mean, it almost looks like the one that's ignored is even the worst one of them all, honestly. Um, the one that I says hate you doesn't look as bad as the one that's ignored, that says has the note that says it's ignored. So I, I don't see how you could say this is new age or something like that when you've got something like a plant. They're, they're all in the same condition. They're all in the same growing. Or the rice experiment that he did. Or the objective things that they were literally photographing. After they cryogenically froze water samples that were certain phrases were spoken. These are objective findings. These are not subjective. These are not someone's opinion. These are something. This is something that you can visually look at, detect, and see. There's a gigantic difference. So it shows the the it shows day and night, day and night, day and night, and it shows that the plant that says I love you on it is blossoming over and over again and growing, and the one that um the one and all it's just a note. I don't even think they're speaking anything to the plants. It just says ignored on one plant and I hate you on the other. And um yeah, I mean just the power of words man this is just something i think we all need to see i know i needed to see this too i mean i'm not acting like i'm on some high and lofty perch and whatever you know um this is something we all need to see and it's just showing these plants over and over again i don't i don't know whether the, the plant that's that's that says i hate you maybe the reason that that's actually doing better than the one that's ignored is because at least it's getting some form of attention which you've heard that said about like um, certain, let's say, children that act out. Let's say they're being ignored. So they'll do anything on the planet to get some kind of attention, even if it's negative. Even if it's like somebody, even if it's getting cussed out. At least the, the, the child knows that the parent cares in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Maybe it's I hate you. But at least the parent is expressing some type of emotion. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that's what we need to do, but at least it's some type of emotion they can latch onto. At least the, at least the, the, like the child or maybe in this place, the plant knows that at least somebody cares, but when you're ignored, it's like you don't exist. It's like nobody even cares to even utter that they hate you. I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's why kind of hard to explain is that we're going to say good beautiful positive things to the good apple and bad nasty things to the bad apple. so she took an apple she cut the same apple in half it looks like and they put one apple in one sealed it looks like a sealed glass mason jar like a ball mason jar ball is the brand name and she put half the other half in another identical uh, ball sealed 
mason jar and she has on one she has good apple and on the other she has bad apple so i just took out my apples from the bad apple jar and the good apple jar wow. and as you can see this is amazing even for the most skeptical ones i mean the bad apple has like four distinct really bad brown splotches on it and the good one is i mean you have to understand you mean granted i understand they were in they were in sealed jars and so therefore not near the amount of oxygen is going to hit it because that's why an apple will start to turn brown when you cut into it is because it's the process of oxidation it's the oxygen molecules hitting the surface of the now exposed white part of the apple and it starts to oxidize it starts to degrade well this one granted it might have been in a sealed mason jar which will it's not going to get exposed near the amount of oxygen over time just whatever's in the jar but it's it looks remarkably well after 21 days i mean literally it looks like you could still eat it okay um there's a couple parts you could cut off now the the one the bad apple you wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole you would not want to eat that and that's why again you might want to watch this video to get the full visual impact out there you have to admit that this is and i have to admit i was one of those that was a little skeptical Oh, and it said a good tip is to test this rice experiment out at home with your children to learn to teach them the power of love and hate and to learn something yourself by seeing it concrete for your own two eyes. Do it yourself. You don't believe it? Try it. Try it. I wish I would have done this with Taylor growing up. Taylor's really tends to be really, really good about that though, anyway, about like not um watching what she says about other people me i i've struggled with it a lot more because i was brought up do whatever say whatever you want to say and whatever you know whatever i was brought up to be vindictive i was brought up to um you did me wrong man i was going to get revenge i had books that i literally had to order through, through my dad's gun catalogs or something and i mean like they were like the, the titles were even bad and they were books on revenge and i did some of this stuff i never killed anybody i never really like like it's not like i ever like broke anybody's kneecaps or anything like that didn't do anything like that but i mean the stuff that i did was pretty pretty bad pretty heinous in a certain regard and um you know you reap what you sow though that's gonna come back you know i i think that's why i've had a lot of hardships and trials and stuff that i haven't seen other people go through because man i did a lot of bad stuff back in the day and i'm not perfect now either and and you know oh man i mean i, I it makes me cringe a lot of the stuff that, that that i did you know when i was younger way before i was even saved and but you know then you pay the price for it yeah you might have your little whatever revenge or whatever and you may think you've got off scot-free but you've set something in motion that's going to come back on you and um i'm living proof that you know you, you don't want to do that <laughs> you really don't so this is a great experiment we can do with our families about this i mean you could see for yourself and uh, I am in awe at what I'm seeing right now. Odds. Try using 25 containers or even 50 containers. 
this works and it shows that our thoughts wow. now so he's got two containers another person he's got one container of rice and it looks like yellow rice and one has love it just has the word love written on the um uh top on a note and then that they i don't know how long it's been in there maybe it was another 21 days the rice looks like you could eat it easily eat it right now and then the one that said i was gonna say hate i think the first one they show it's i mean you wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole it's got all kind of yucky mold and rotting stuff on it and it's i don't see how you can explain this stuff away literally shapes our lives they're doing all the stuff with different fruits love on this one bag and one strawberry hate on this other bag I love you, strawberry. so he love, speaks love, 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 he speaks love, i love you strawberry now what i would do if you really want to do this right one of the one of the problems i see with this is that like this the one strawberry is right next to the other one okay so the other the other strawberries hearing that hearing that oh man this is this is so amazing oh this is going to segue into something else that i'm going to get into i don't know if i have time to get into it in this teaching but on anointing oil which is biblical oh boy <laughs> you're gonna love where this is gonna segue into um man I might, I might just have to segue right to this other but the problem is is my this other part of my teaching isn't even edited yet so i'm gonna have to stop this here and edit a whole bunch more stuff if i want to do this but i'm, I'm kind of getting convicted right now oh then i need to do this so not 100 percent sure when I'm, I'm gonna actually be able to release this teaching because i gotta probably gonna stop this after this one video is done and then have to edit a whole bunch of more teach a whole bunch of more stuff i've got locked and loaded and then also give um some testimonies on this because the lord's really been convicting me a lot about this lately the power of words and then how there are different things like these strawberries that can absorb this energy. Now, this guy here hung up two strawberries. The problem is, is they're within one foot of each other. The other strawberries can hear what it's saying. So even though, I, and I understand intention is a lot of it too, but I think if you really wanted to do this right, you would have one strawberry in one room. And one strawberry in another, one piece of one jar of rice in one room, and one jar of rice in another. And the one room would only get bad stuff. Bad stuff said to it. Maybe it would have negative stuff on the label, um, hate. And then you go in there because I, but that would be hard because that's almost like you're bringing negativity into your house. You know what I mean? And I, I'd be leery about doing that as well. You know, I wouldn't want to do that either. So I'm not even saying to do this, but hopefully you're going to see by all of these experiments that this is something that, that you really really want to pay a lot more attention to but what i was going to say is that i feel like that you would get a better more bolder effect if the other jar of rice or the other strawberry was like totally exposed to negativity hate negativity and the other one was just exposed to love and 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 the one had nothing to do or could hear nothing vibrationally sound-wise that the other one was hearing. I think you would have an even, a much higher effect. I think it would be even more off the scale that you would see this. 
I just don't think you should have them side by side, you know, especially if you're speaking to them positive and or negative words, if you want to get the desired effect. I hate you, Strawberry. Hate, 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 hate you, hate. Love, 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 love. Hate, 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 hate. That looks cool. It's like, yeah, I, I swear, I mean, I... I feel sorry for this other poor little strawberry. I know it's a fruit, but I feel so horrible for it. Poor little thing. It didn't do anything to deserve this. Completely normal. Oh, Look wow. This mold. Day seven. The, the, the one that he's been saying hate is just covered in mold. Literally the one. I mean, strawberries don't last that great outside of the refrigerator. Not from my experience. And I mean, day one, day seven on this one, you can't even, it looks like it came right out of the refrigerator. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Love, 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 love. Hate, 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 hate. That looks Yeah, day seven. Yeah, normal. you could still eat that on day seven. You, you, if you ate the one that had the hate and he was speaking hateful words too, you would not touch that with a 10 foot pole. I mean, it's bad. This mold disgustingness of the hate berries. Look at this thing. Oh. Wow, that's just seven days. People do things that annoy, disappoint, and anger. Okay, so rice, fruits, and flowers react to hate and love. Though we cannot look into another's heart, we assume that we know a bad motive or even a bad person when we see one. Imagine what it does to people around you and your... And in yourself now what it's showing is a girl walking through a um uh high school and I, for one reason or another they're making fun of her and it shows these group of guys that you know they look like more they're like the jock type the popular kind and then she walks by them she she knows she's being made fun she she's a you know I, there's really nothing that that i could see they'd make fun of her about but um anyway it's it's a video it's it's not it's not a it's it's not like this didn't really actually really ha it happens every day though in schools i'm sure across america but um it's just showing this dramatization of girls making fun of her and then then them taking pictures of her and putting it up on social media with with uh, degrading captions and things of this nature and they, everybody's laughing at her and then of course it shows a poor little thing she's crying and 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 she feels horrible and so it's trying to say okay if we can do this to fruit and and rice and plants imagine what we can do to other people with our words this topic of judging others could actually be taught in a two-word sermon when it comes to hating so it shows all these really popular girls around just like looking at some something they put up on social media about this girl and laughing and being really listen i, I can't i can't judge any of them i was horrible in high school i, I was horrible in college i really was I, I was not a likable if you knew me i was not a likable dude i i was very very sarcastic had a super crude sense of humor made fun of people all the time i mean that's how i derived um attention a lot of it was i mean i turned it into an art form i was bad this i have so no right to judge anybody about any of this stuff because i did it brutally i was bad i'm telling you i was bad i mean like when i say i deserve death and hell i mean it
Okay, I'm not just saying that, trying to get you to think that I'm so humble or whatever. I mean what I'm saying. I look back at the stuff I used to do when I was like, um, and I'm not saying those thoughts don't ever pop back into my head either. Like I'm some floating on a cloud somewhere and I'm so perfect or whatever. We're going to battle the flesh to the day you die. And the more, the more history you have, the more bad history. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I never had anything like that. I mean, my parents were, were as far from Christian about as you could be. Other than being like a Luciferian or something. They were pretty far. And I mean, my dad had a very, very 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 bad temper very very um uh yeah you could say twisted sense of humor um sadistic sense of humor and don't think that's not going to affect your kids when you bring them up that way it's all i ever knew again i'm not justifying my own behavior but i can so relate to this video because i was like man i mean that was probably mild compared to some of the stuff i did when i was when i was um in high school and even in chiropractic college and even in college in between that, you know, I was pretty bad. I mean, especially in high school, really, really bad. So uh, I'm not coming at this from a sanctimonious standpoint. I want you to understand that. Gossiping, ignoring, ridiculing, holding grudges or wanting to cause harm. Please apply the following. So it says they put up this picture on her locker or near her locker it says i don't always look in the mirror but when i do it looks like this i don't always look in the mirror but when i do stop it it looks like this I guess, I guess they're putting it on her locker saying, I don't always look in the mirror, but when I do, it looks like this. And it shows her just like a picture of her or whatever. Like, I don't even, she's a cute little thing. I don't even understand what the, why you'd make fun of her at all. And it just doesn't even make sense. But it's just, it's just cruel. It's just cruel. It's mean. It's, it's not Christ-like. It's, it's, it's the opposite of Christ. It's the opposite of gentleness, meekness, kindness, humility. It's, 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 just, it's the opposite of all of it. It's, 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 it's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And God hates it. Let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And right. Have and these are verses you don't, a lot of times hear a lot um because to be quite honest i mean like gotta really watch what you set before your eyes what kind of movies you watch? i mean you watching violent movies are you are you watching horror movies are, are are you watching you know a lot of stuff where there's a tons of cussing going on and things of this nature well i mean it's all bad it's it's, it's all not uh, like helping you in that regard so you got to be real careful we all at one time or another meekly approached the mercy seat and pleaded for grace so one of the guys that put up the picture now it shows him his conscience is just like he's literally the one that hung it up on her locker i think and he's feeling really really bad because he has a conscience he's probably a, a christian and maybe he did this and now he's realized whoa 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 i'm not i shouldn't have done this and I think it shows him going to his knees and, and asking for forgiveness. Haven't we wished with all the energy of our souls for mercy to be forgiven for the mistakes we have made and the sins we have committed? 
Forgiving ourselves and others is not easy. In fact, for most of us, it requires a major change in our attitude and way of thinking. Even a change of heart. This mighty change of heart is exactly what the gospel of Jesus Christ so is. This makes me cry just watching this part. It's so cute. <laughs> he goes back to her locker and she's at the locker again and it's still hanging on there. And he takes it and he crumbles it up and he puts it in the trash can. Now he gives her a really, you can tell it's a very, very sincere, heartfelt apology. And the poor little thing, she's just sitting there like kind of like with her head down. But um, this this is Christ-like behavior. Um uh, this is like the Bible says God is the, uh, Jesus is the gentle shepherd. That, those types of expressions and things of this nature. I, I think that um, he, he really dwell, he would really dwell in, in this Christ-like, uh, humble, gentle behavior patterns is, is where I think you'll see Jesus Christ probably um, show up to some of the highest degree. And this is why humility is so important. Um, because that engenders that type of response. When you, when you're humble, you're, you're, you're typically going to be in that mindset. And when you're proud, you're going to be in the opposite mindset. It's designed to As bring about. Say, I'm truly, truly sorry. Let us be kind. Let us forgive. Let us talk peacefully with each other. Let us do good unto all men. Allowing us to see others the way our Heavenly Father sees us, as flawed and imperfect. I tell you, these, <laughs> these two little actors, boy, they got me, man. <laughs> They're very, very, very convincing. If you want to watch a really heartfelt scene, you should watch this because... You can just, I mean, I can replay this in my mind. I probably did this to a lot of people. And, um, you know, I don't ever remember really apologizing at the time at all. You know, um, if I saw them, I would. But, you know, um, it's just one of those things where I can hearken back and, and think of how much probably pain I inflicted on other people way back in the way back in the day. And, um especially in high school, you know. Perfect mortals who have potential and worth far beyond our... So all of his friends are see him doing this. He's apologizing to her in the hall and they're all looking at him like in kind of like, what is he doing? Kind of like disbelief. Capacity to imagine. Because God loves us so much, we too must love and forgive. Remember, in the end, it is the merciful who obtain mercy. Yes. Believe it or not. Yes. Each word that you say. The Bible says that if you want mercy and you want to obtain it, you must show it. And if you don't show it, you won't obtain it. Jesus Christ said that. Speak is an affirmation. You are always affirming that you want more of it into your life by speaking it, by placing your attention on it, by talking about it. Yes. Since that's the case. That's why reading the word of God is so important. I mean, I think you should just 
you can put these words down. You can write them down. Like love, gratitude, faith, hope, strength, goodness, gentleness, humility, fruits of the spirit. And just have them on post-it notes around the house or what. I mean, just something that's always like these reminders. And put those through your head. Speak them. Speak them. I can't, I can't see this being anything but a good, but a very, very good thing, you know, and, and to bring you out of, if you're in a negative environment or a negative mood, it's going to probably do more to bring you out of that than any other. Prozac's sure not going to do it. And I mean, even any of like the supplements I have or whatever for maybe like brain, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a physiological component, but this affects us physically so that when we're dwelling in negativity, then what ends up happening is it's going to affect us physically and we might have to take certain things like supplements or whatever whereas maybe that wouldn't have been a factor had we not been dwelling in negativity maybe those those physiological processes in the body would not have even have happened only talk about the joyous things that you would like to have and experience and before you know it those words will become an everyday part of your vocabulary and your life will soon follow suit. As a man thinketh, so is he. So I'm going to go ahead and stop here. I was going to go on, but I kind of want to continue this vein of teaching. But in order to do it, I've got to go and edit a whole bunch of more material and i don't know how long that's going to take me but um we're going to get us we're going to get this done and i'll get this up hopefully i'll have this teaching up in a few days you're not going to know any different because when it goes up it goes up for you but for me it's like oh boy now i gotta <laughs> i gotta go like edit i don't know how much more but what i'm going to be getting into heavily 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 relates to what we just heard now we're gonna this next this next these next parts we're gonna take it up Tons and tons of levels. We're going to see how to use this from a spiritual warfare standpoint. I really want this ministry to start moving in a direction where I'm giving you useful, godly instruction. Things that you can do that's going to improve your life. And there's so much doom and gloom. Uh, with You look around and stuff and there's all this doom and gloom. And, and I'm sure that you get a lot of that just from my emails, my newsletters alone, if you're on my email list. And then a lot of my studies I've done. Now, the stuff I've reported on is valid. But I really want this ministry to start moving in a direction. Not to say I'm never going to report on current events. But more of a direction where I'm giving you practical things we can do in order to improve ourselves, fight evil, all of the all of the things from a, from a positive standpoint. And so, anyway, um, I'm going to end part one here. And I got a whole bunch of work to do. And then I'll go do part two. And then I'll get this up hopefully within a few days. God bless you. And we'll see you in part two.